Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hey there, everyone. My name is Desmond Price. Welcome to the first ever episode of Independent Thought. So, this will be our pilot episode taking off into this journey. Don't know where it's going to go, but we know why we're starting. 2020 just happened. Just turned the clock to a new month, a new year, and it's an election year. It's a year that could very well determine a lot of things moving forward for us. Four more years of Trump or four years of a new Democratic president. Hard to say, but I felt like just watching the news and as often as I watch it, there's just a lot of things being talked about, but not a whole lot of differentiation in perspective. So we are hoping to bring some differentiation here. I will be primarily doing a lot of these episodes, but I will occasionally have some guests on. and Hopefully we'll be able to talk about some topics that mean something to most people. And the real question, why should you care? Why should you care about what's going on and how does it impact your day-to-day life? So that is some of the stuff that we'll be talking about here on Independent Thought. So you can expect content from me a couple times a week. I'm going to try to get some stuff out, you know, like Monday through Friday, but at least three to four times a week, you'll be receiving new content from Independent Thought. And we'll be just addressing the current events going on. What's going on in the climate, things going on with Iran, like they are currently, things going on in the Democratic side, impeachment, maybe, sounds kind of boring, but maybe we'll talk about impeachment. We'll see how I'm feeling that day. You, the listener, should care about coming to see Independent Thought because we will be breaking down all of the news that comes as it comes. So you will constantly be in the know about what's going on around your world right now. And we will give that information to you. Now, what's next to expect? I'll be dropping our first official, official episode later this week. Be on the lookout for it. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode, Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. 
Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from break, everyone. So for this first episode, I just want to talk about the topic of the day right now, which is the impending war but not war with Iran. So right now, not a whole lot of people are really sure what's going to be happening next as I'm speaking to you here today on January 7th. For those of you who don't know, you know, Iran allegedly was behind the attacks that happened at US at a US embassy in Iraq about a week or so ago. Now, in retaliation, President Trump met with his top advisors, you know, some of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, some generals, so on and so forth, to go over what the options were for retaliation, because they believed that Iran was, Iran was behind this attack. So the most extreme option that they presented, thinking that the president couldn't possibly pick that extreme option, was to take out one of the top generals for Iran's military. Now, when our Defense Department gave this option to President Trump, they did not believe that he would take that option as it was the most extreme. But those people obviously don't know the President of the United States because obviously he would take the most extreme option as just knowing who President Trump is. So what happened next was that President Trump ordered a strike that was basically ended in the assassination of Iran's general. Now, this wasn't a good person by any means. He was linked to having, you know, like facilitated attacks against American soldiers back during the height of the Iraq War, 2007-2008. But, you know, it does beg the question where exactly we are headed. President Trump has been saying that his entire time that he's been in office that he does not want to go to war, and he resisted urges in the past to do anything that would provoke Iran. He even had tensions with people like Michael Bolton, who he essentially exiled from his administration because Michael Bolton wanted to go to war, but President Trump did not. So for the longest time, while I haven't understood all of President Trump's decisions, it seemed to be clear that he was anti-war. But these decisions that he's making recently have me thinking otherwise. Maybe President Trump does covet a war with Iran. Of all the options they could have taken in retaliation to what Iran did, this does seem like the one that would pull us into a conflict. And let's be really clear about why this is a problem. Iran by itself, while a very formidable power is not a country that the U.S. by itself cannot defeat, which I'm sure that a lot of people on the right 
probably don't understand why so many people on the left are concerned about Iran. They think that Iran's a small country. There's no reason why America and all of its might can't go in there and just knock it down. But that's not really the whole story. Because for those who don't probably know this, Iran has heavily aligned itself with the likes of Russia and China, militarily and economically. Even as of two weeks ago, Russia, China, and Iran were holding like scheduled like military trainings together out in the Indian Ocean. That's nothing to sneeze at. Russia and China are the second and third most powerful militaries in the world. As powerful as America is, if those two countries decided to team up against us, I don't know that we'd win. If you are history nut the way that I am, you can remember back to World War II. At that time, the Germans were the most powerful military in the world, bar none. More than the Americans, more than the Russians. But when the second and third most powerful militaries, the Russians and the Americans, teamed up on them, they didn't stand a chance. Does that sound similar? So America may be the most powerful military, most powerful economy in the world right now, but we don't really want a conflict with Russia or China. Now, I know that Russia and China aren't really our friends and we can't bow down to them, but there are tactful, and I emphasize tactful, ways about approaching any kind of situation that involves those two nations. And it does take a lot of tact. It's something that President Trump is struggling with right now with the tariffs on China. So it's not an easy solution. I definitely understand that. But at the end of the day, there are certain lines that we probably should not cross because I cannot say wholeheartedly that attacking Iran directly would not lead to the intervention of those other two nations. And then we would have a world war. And as funny as all the memes are on the internet right now, There's nothing funny about that. We have to be very careful going forward. We should all tread lightly and find the best way to deal with this. And if the answer really is to what President Trump is trying to do, that he is trying to find a way to kind of starve out Iran because of all the things that they've done in the past, I don't know that you can really argue against that. Iran, along with Saudi Arabia, are two countries that have been fighting proxy wars with each other that have decimated the Middle East for decades now. They're not really a clean state. I'm not saying that they don't need to have some sort of aggressive action done against them, but I think that there are certain actions that are the right ways and certain actions that are the wrong ways. And to me, it seems that assassinating their general just wasn't the right answer. What is the right answer, though? This is your moment to reach out to me and this podcast. Reach out to me on Twitter, at IndieThought. Send me your messages. Send me your thoughts. Tell me what you think we should do in order to combat the growing threat that is Iran. Do you agree with President Trump and his strike? Reach out. Let me know.
our final topic for the, our inaugural episode here is going to be talking about the fundraising halls that came in for the Democratic candidates. Now, as many of you know, the Democratic primaries are about to begin in a few weeks here with the Iowa caucuses. That is the very first contest, and it's been a slow burn, but we have been building up to this for about a year now. Now, most people don't pay attention to politics until, well, right about now, normally. Normally, when the first contest hits, that's when people realize that some people are running for president and they try to tune in. But these candidates have been hard at work for months on end now, touring the country, especially heavily in the early states, would being Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, and as well as some of the bigger states like California, New York, and Texas. So one of the ways in which the pundits you see on TV, whether it be CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, so on and so forth, one of the ways they go about figuring out how well candidates are doing is through polling, and the other is through donations and campaign contributions. Now, the donations and campaign contributions you bring in kind of give an idea of how far you are going in this campaign how much staying power you're really going to have, and if you're going to be around in a couple of months or you're going to fizzle out in the next couple of weeks. A lot of candidates have already dropped out because their campaign numbers were lagging. People like Julian Castro have dropped out a couple days ago. Other members like Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, household names that people knew of going into this cycle that are no longer in it because they weren't able to keep up with the amount of money that was being raised by the other candidates. Now, some of the names that are heavy right now in the donations you might have heard of, some of them you may have not have. But our top six right now are Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Andrew Yang, and Amy Klobuchar. Each of them having a pretty successful Q4. Now, the way that they break down these campaign contributions is that they just look at how much you have generated through a three-month period. So Q4 would be everything that the, uh, that the candidates would have, would have raised from October 1st to December 31st. So let's take a look at what each person did in that top six. In last place, we have Amy Klobuchar, who raised $11.4 million in Q4. Now, her Q3 haul was only $4.8 million. So she more than doubled the amount of money from one quarter to the next. So Amy Klobuchar's, with that rise, as well as her rise in the polls, is showing some momentum. Do you know who she is yet? A lot of people don't. But she's definitely catching on, and maybe she deserves your attention. One person going well underneath the radar is who came in at number five, Andrew Yang. Most people don't even know his name, but he has a really interesting platform he's running on. He calls it his Freedom Dividend, about where he proposes that every American over the age of 18 receives $1,000 a month. Why that number? Why is that a good idea at all? You should find out, 
There's a lot of videos of Andrew Yang on YouTube where he talks about his freedom dividend and why he believes it's the right answer for America going forward. He's a compelling person to listen to. I would definitely check him out. He has a great interview with Ben Shapiro back from April of this past year. You would think two people who are on the left and the right like that wouldn't be able to sit down and have a good conversation, but they really did, and it's really worth checking out. Coming in at number four, Elizabeth Warren, who during her Q3 pulled in $24.7 million and in Q4 pulled in 21.2. A small drop, but it is consistent with her polling. Elizabeth Warren's polling was in first at times a couple months ago in October and September, but she has since then dropped down to third, even fourth in some polls, and her money has been going down with it. A lot of people have skepticized that her Sudden fall in the polls has been linked to her inability to be clear about what she plans to do with health care, which seems to be the number one focus for people who are primary voters on the Democratic side. Will Elizabeth Warren rise back up? Yet to be determined. She did just get an endorsement from Julian Castro, one of the people who was running for president, who just dropped out. Coming in at number three, Joe Biden. Number one in the polls, but number three in campaign contributions. Joe had a really lackluster third quarter, raising $15.2 million. And I know that doesn't sound like lackluster for the average person, but when you're a major presidential candidate, fifteen point two is not a really good quarter. But he has rebounded to $22.7 million in quarter number four. So Joe Biden seems to be back on the rise at the expense of people like Elizabeth Warren below him. Joe Biden is not the most energetic candidate, but he does seem to be the most consistent along with Bernie Sanders. And it would seem that those two are on a collision course for these first initial primaries and caucuses. We will see how Joe Biden stands up once the voting begins. It's hard to tell right now. Pete Buttigieg comes in at number two. In Q3, he made $19.1 million. In Q4, he made $24.7 million. Pete Buttigieg is the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. No one really knew him outside of Indiana prior to this election cycle, but he has made a name for himself. He's not really doing so well in the polling with younger people, which is ironic given that he is the youngest person ever to run for president. But he is doing pretty well with those over the age of 45. Time will tell if Pete can bridge the gap. He's doing pretty well in the polls in Iowa and New Hampshire right now, but he is struggling with voters of color in states like Nevada and South Carolina. Have you heard about Pete Buttigieg yet? What do you feel about his plans? DM us at Indie Thought on Twitter if you've heard of Pete Buttigieg. And finally, the number one person for this quarter is Bernie Sanders, who received $25.3 million in Q3 and brought in a much higher $34.5 in Q4. Bernie Sanders has brought in more money in one quarter than any other candidate on the Democratic side 
this election cycle. Now, Bernie Sanders also noted that he had almost 2 million individual donations at an average of $18.53 per contribution. Bernie is showing that without taking any kind of corporate PAC money and just taking money individually from people, that you can raise extraordinary amounts of money. Bernie Sanders seems to have the combination of money and polling which would let you believe that he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I would believe strongly that he'll be one of the two people who will be in this primary process until the end. It's hard to say out of the rest who will be there with him. Early looks make it seem like Joe Biden will be that person, but time will tell. Time will probably tell in a month from now. Either way, Bernie Sanders seems to be well on his way into being in this process all the way through. Have you heard about Bernie Sanders' proposals? Do you know what his plan is for America? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Let us hear your thoughts at Indie Thought on Twitter. everyone that is our show for today thank you so much for checking out the very first episode of independent thought i am again your host desmond price you can follow indie thought on twitter at inde thought indie thought thank you again please if you have not already please go ahead and rate us review us subscribe to us please give us five stars if you give us four stars I'm just inclined to think you're a hater. So please give us five stars and thank you so much. And I hope to see you again next time.